Welcome to Tell Me More About Co-Housing with Lynn Morset and Kelly Soika. Co-Housing Houston is a multi-generational, community-minded group of people who share the values of connection and sustainability. We are developing the first co-housing project in Texas, in Houston, even ahead of Austin. Morning, Kelly. Good morning, Lynn. How are you? Oh my God, you're having to peel me off the ceiling right now. <laughs> I am telling you. I am so excited about this little plot that you cooked up that actually worked out this morning. I still can't believe it. I've just got- I can't believe it either. I think we have to tell everyone. So, so there is a show here in Houston on our local public radio station. And um, every month they cleverly do a series called um, Pet Peeves, Houston Pet Peeves. And so people call in and complain about traffic and complain about um, turn signals. That's a really big one. So anyway, we've been trying to figure out how to get on their show for a long time. And um, we thought that maybe, you know, we have a pet peeve that's part of Lynn's elevator speech about co-housing is really, it's a pet peeve. And so she called in and shared it with them today. And we're really excited because it just was, was beautifully articulated and it resonated because they brought it back up again later in the show. So can you believe that? They, it, yeah. 30 minutes later, they still mentioned <laughs> They're it. They're still thinking about it, yeah. Uh, yes. Okay, so Lynn, tell us what was your... Houston Matters pet peeve this morning. Okay. So, you know, some, I think we've mentioned this before in some of our podcasts, I sprinkled it throughout, but really my, the thing that I called in and said that I really, I'm sick and tired of having to go through a disaster experience uh, to really have true neighborliness in Houston. And they, they, I was the first caller. So, um, you know, especially this week in Houston, if you're not in the Houston area or on the Gulf Coast of Texas, this may not be as familiar to you, but honestly, the, the media is flooded right now with hurricane preparedness, predictions about this season being a very active one, people talking about all the flood projects that either have been executed or not since the last time we flooded or since the last hurricane season. So of course, we're all getting a little jittery. If you flooded before, you might be experiencing a little PTSD with all the rain we had last week. And so, of course, it's on my mind, you know, so it feels like my elevator speech is getting like high traction right now. Yeah. So um, and you know what happens? Is, I think yeah. will you tell us a little bit more, too, about like what Houston is like, because if you don't live here, oh, yeah. I mean, you might know that there are hurricanes, but you might not know kind of how how most people live in Houston. Yeah, that's a great. Thank you, Kelly. So most people in in Texas pretty much try to live in a hundred percent AC bubble. A hundred percent of the time. So the idea that you might drive your car home and then have any, any kind of airspace separating your exit from your car to your home is really not very, uh, you know, very interesting to anybody in Houston, Texas. They try to eliminate all that outdoor space. And so what they do is they architect everything where you drive into a garage that's attached to your house, if at all possible, and then you very quickly exit the car and get into your house. So what happens is that because we have this behavior of that at our houses, uh, drive-through banks, I mean, drive-through everything. If you go to Starbucks, Starbucks in the morning, you can walk inside and get your coffee in a couple of minutes, but there's a long line sometimes of 20 cars outside. So people are much, they're happier to sit in the car line for 20 minutes in their AC bubble rather than park 
and get outside for 10 yards to walk into. That, that's the kind of people we're dealing with, right? right? But before all of my Montrose neighbors uh, stop listening to our podcast, there are definitely plenty of people in Houston who are not like that. We were speaking in super broad brushes about kind of the way the built environment is and the behavior of a lot of people. And I know on some days in the middle of the summer, I too do not want to get out of my car to walk into Starbucks. But in general, that's, that's how a lot of Houston is built up is so that you just don't have... Um, it's, it's car convenient, you know, it's convenient to get your things from your car into your house is really, uh, the, the dominant design element here in town. Absolutely. So that I mean, makes it hard to meet your neighbors, right? It makes it hard to have that kind of lively, um, street life that you have in other parts of the country or that you have in certain pockets of, of our city. Um, so that's the built environment. And that's, this plays in then to Lynn's pet peeve because for, you know, nine months of the year, people are just pulling in and closing their garage doors, but then hurricane season comes along, something happens, it's a disaster, and suddenly what happens, Lynn? What, what is it like after a Well, we emerge. We emerge from our little <laughs> hovels because we don't have AC indoors. So why be there? In fact, it's pretty hot in there. So we come out and we do what people used to do 50 years ago in Houston, Texas, is that we reestablish a neighborhood. So we yeah. come out and we, well, of course, we are also not just being neighborly uh, for social reasons, but also it's, a, it's the necessity reasons that are happening. So we've got people, some neighbor might not have power. So we string power cords across streets, you know, down the, down the side of the street. We, if your power's out more than a couple of days in Houston, Texas, everything in your refrigerator and freezer is destroyed. So what do you do with all that meat? People start rolling out their barbecue pits to the center of the street and we start firing up barbecues and the smell draws in everybody. And there's branches on this laying across the street. So neighbors are having to help each other, saw them up. There's no, there are no, there's nobody you can call when there's a disaster like that. Like you are your own services, help yourself kind of like an old fashioned community, maybe a bit more rural where we're all having to rely on each other because there is nobody else. Yeah. So it's really charming. And mm -hmm. our kids have, they say one of their most favorite times of life was in 2008. They were both in middle school at the time. And we had two weeks power outage after Hurricane Ike and they just loved it. It was the most, they had two weeks off school and they, the kids just buzzed around the neighborhood. They, we, parents were available. They weren't dialing into work even because we had no power. There was no yeah. dialing in anywhere. Our cell phones all started failing because we couldn't recharge them. There was no gasoline. None of the gas stations pumped gas. It's amazing what falls apart. And so there was this incredible tight knit feeling with people. And there was a daily check-in at four o'clock. What are we going to cook tonight? So we would sometimes have 10 households. There was every street had a street party going on every single night. It included even emptying of liquor cabinets because apparently there was some concern that their gin or vodka might go bad if it wasn't air conditioned. Really? <laughs> I'm thinking that might have more to do with uh, <laughs> everybody's home and off work. And So anyway, it was absolutely delightful. And then as the power started coming back on, and this is, you know, you know rinse, repeat happens every time. As yeah. soon as the power starts trickling back into various houses, everybody starts retreating. And then they talk about how much they missed it. So I'm like, if you miss it, why did you? <laughs> I don't get it. There's a disconnect here. 
The thing that I think it, that's analogous to are like uh, holidays, you know, people look forward to the 4th of July or Halloween times when they're out, you know, at a street parade, meeting their neighbors or Halloween, going door to door, seeing everybody out and about. Um, and it's great to look forward to those times, but it'd be better to have those times kind of all the time rather than only have these really um, far apart um, events that then bring you together with your neighbors. So that's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about how co-housing changes that because Lynn at her pet peeve declared proudly that she's joining <laughs> co-housing so that to alleviate her pet peeve. You know, Kelly, I just had this vision in front of my head when you're talking about the good things that can happen in neighbors and these special events. I just have to share this with you. I don't know if I've ever told you, but one of my best friends grew up in El Campo, Texas, which is a real small town just southeast, southwest of here. And she talks about how in the 50s and 60s, her mom and the neighbor next door would put their ironing boards out on the driveways that ran next to each other and the kids would be playing around them and they had this long power cord and they would stand outside there and they would iron every oh. Monday. Isn't that something? I love that. Yes, I think that's perfect. I, so, it, you know, in co-housing, we used to have um, grocery dates. So like yeah. other women, would we would get together and go to the grocery store together because it's more fun to do your grocery shopping with other people. You know, it's just, yeah, that kind of thing that you, you want to bring people together rather than have them go it alone all the time and all this stuff. Okay. So why don't you tell us a little bit more what like what I call social architecture of all this, how give us some more ideas and examples of how things that happen in the in co-housing that, that really don't happen in our lives anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think to me, the biggest one is, you know, meals. It's eating mm. together regularly. Um, even, you know, we've talked about like other places where you do have some regular meals or some regular something. Coffee hour after church for a lot of people is a, is a common, you yeah. know, thing to go to. But in general, because those are kind of standing and you're not, you're kind of moving around and you only see, um, you know, perhaps those people on Sundays, there isn't a lot of kind of in-depth conversation. Mm. It's shorter. It's just, it doesn't really kind of uh, scratch that same itch. Um, and then I've noticed too, that some of the things that would bring you together, um, like even the, the kind of Friday night, standing outside uh, grilling, you know, Mike would go out and grill in, in co-housing and other, you know, people would stop by as they're walking past doing that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That happens a lot there, you know, cause you're out in the community. There isn't anything that's even analogous to that in my, in my current life, you know, um, mm -hmm. particularly post pandemic Lynn, cause yeah. I think about seeing people on a regular basis, you know, if you get your groceries delivered you're not yeah. running into neighbors at the grocery store. Or if you are, um, you know, the library, our library pickups now are you just pull in and you get your your books, you know, you're not even in the library with your neighbors um, or school, you know, like the my girls uh, school activities have all been either on Zoom or they can't have parents because it's too many people. So some of that will come back, but I really feel like mm. co-housing ensures that that's in your life, you know? Yeah gives you a place and a space for that because you have some shared work you know you've got some things in common that you're working on 
So it gives you an, a reason to call, you know, the other community members, or it gives you a thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. You see people frequently, you know, you have, you're brushing up against people. Some days you're just saying hi. And other days you're noticing, oh, hey, you have a walking boot. What happened? You know, it's, yeah. it yeah. allows you to just have access to people's lives that, that deepens relationships. Well, um, and of course that's then, that actually sort of ties into, Um, the physical architecture. So that's one of the things that our architects talk about is how they've intentionally separated, for example, the garages from the houses, which is really almost sacrilegious in Texas, as I was saying earlier. People are really shocked about that initially. But then when you start describing to them the intentionality behind that design decision, then the, the light bulb goes on for them. And then they kind of realize that, you know, for the sake of convenience in our world and comfort, we've given, we've, 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 taken on a lot of additional physical comfort at the expense of some of our emotional well-being. And I think people get that. It's just for some a little bit of a leap to kind of recognize that that's what it's going to take for them. So we've got things like the separation of the garage spaces so that we're not trying to make life miserable for you, but we are trying to create those opportunities that you talk about this brushing up against each other, as you said. And another thing that, you know, I, it's really helped me get a grip on the fact that I'm going to be moving into a smaller square footage is that that will then propel me out of my door more because I will be seeking space elsewhere that's not within the confines of my four walls. Um, And additionally, we've got not just this common house, which has like place for the meals that you're talking about, but we've done some interesting things scattered around the project to create these little semi-private, you know, places where, you know, you might want to kind of sort of work on your laptop a little bit or kind of sort of read a book, but you might be very open to having somebody pop by and have a quick conversation with you. And then I hear a lot of great stories about the mailroom. Like that is like a real hangout meetup place. Mailroom is very important. (laughs) It's very, because, you know, I don't know about you, but um, 98% of the mail that we receive goes directly into um, recycling. So you spend some time there, you know, you pull your mail out and you kind of sort through it all. And in general, uh, packages are delivered there. So you come down and look for your packages and figure out, It's also interesting to have a portion of your life that is lived in public, that Mm. our lives outside of co-housing, they're lived in private. So if I have a, you know, baby gate delivered to my house, um, you would never know, right? Mm -hmm. Because you live in separate homes, you would just never know. And, and, but in co-housing, you would see that I had a baby gate delivered and you might wonder, am I planning to get a new puppy? Because I'm definitely not having more kids. So it's, it's a way of like, you know, it's a way of being in other people's lives. Or, you know, if I'm in the wood shop and I am working on trim, then you know that I'm working on, you know, remodeling my bathroom. That's something that you might not know if I'm just kind of working quietly in my own um, garage and you just never even have access to what's going on in my life in that way. And so having a portion of your life that where you bring your projects or you bring the things you're interested in or you bring the the stuff of life into a public space, Mm. it opens you up too to having conversations and building relationships with the people around you. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. 
Yeah, and it gets to that that point that we've talked about before about, you know, if you only see people at the church coffee hour on Sundays, that your relationships kind of stay in that very thin band of, of, of under, knowing each other. And you're just constantly asking the same questions again, because you're sort of staying at a very superficial level. And by, by living next to each other in this way that you're describing, we don't even have to have that conversation. We know. And when we see that somebody needs help or that we have an idea that may, or maybe like maybe a learning, like I'm looking forward to one of our members pulling out her potter's wheel and me going down there and going, hey, if I went and bought some clay, could I slap something on there and have a go again? So I think it will enrich our lives by, you know, being exposed to other things as well. So I'm really yeah, that's my tire story. I, <laughs> I'm embarrassed to admit that I never knew how to check the pressure on tires um, and how to fill them. I know, right? But but I was younger then. I know now. But so we had a um, an air compressor in co-housing, and uh, one of my neighbors was out checking the tire pressure for of his tires and filling them up. And I was walking past because I just dumped mm-hmm. a load compost and I just stopped and chatted and learned all about it and learned how to do it and it's like those tiny competencies that you can gather from your neighbors um you can do it from YouTube for sure like you can figure that kind of thing out but it's a lot more fun to just be taught by people Mm -hmm. out in the world who are doing these things I love it I love it well Kelly I have to say circling back around to where we started this morning um Speaking of learning from each other and being better because of exposure to other people, I just want to give a huge shout out to you, Kelly, for having this brilliant idea of calling <laughs> of calling into the te- the radio show this morning with our pet peeve, and then at the end, very cleverly uh, looping it around to co-housing Houston. So that was absolutely masterful, brilliant marketing oh, strategy. Wait, you're the one who executed it. You're the one who well, was able to be through. It was hey, so I'm great. Just- I hope doesn't listen to Houston Matters. I'm just following your orders, Kelly. So, well, anyway, (laughs) this was great. Thank you so much, everybody, for stopping by today. We're glad you clicked on our episode. For more information about our project, Cohousing Houston, just go to cohousinghouston.com and subscribe to our newsletter. For general information about cohousing, we like cohousing.org. We're really active on social media, so check out what's happening on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Cohousing Houston. Have a good day, everybody. Bye.